and welcome to the Middlemen podcast, taking you ringside, pitch side and sharing a unique journalistic perspective on sports. I'm Noah Abrahams. And I'm Max Taylor. What a first episode we have coming up for you. First, an exclusive talk with middleweight title contender Liam Williams, as well as the latest football talk surrounding mine and Noah's supported teams, Liverpool and Chelsea. Look, Max, it's great to be back on the poddy, the revamped version. Uh, how are you? Spurs lost to Liverpool 3-1 last night, so I bet you're happy with that result and back in the top four. So things looking good from a sporting perspective in your books. Mate, things couldn't be better right now. Uh, Liverpool are back in the form. It's just fantastic to see them back to their winning ways. And obviously, we had a great chat with Liam Williams. I just can't wait to get into it all. No, I'm, I'm really excited. Obviously, as a Chelsea fan, it's been a, a mixed week of emotions. Frank Lampard whether you liked him as a manager or not, is a Chelsea club legend. And it was hard to say goodbye. Uh, a bit more on that later on. I don't know if Chelsea are going to be in a title fight this year under Thomas Tuchel. Liverpool, maybe they've turned the corner against Spurs last night. Maybe they're going to uh, challenge for the title. Someone who is in a title bout. So Liam Williams could be a future middleweight world champion. Here's what he had to say. It's been a, I've had an odd week in Sheffield training. Um, i just come home for the weekend Spend a couple of days dorm with um, with the missus and I, so see my little girl. Um, yeah, everything's going good. Looking forward to some big news soon. Yeah, working hard and playing hard for what could be a really career-defining year for you. Some big matches ahead. Tell me about those, Liam, because you know you're waiting on. As we saw in uh, Frank Warren's post today, there's a first bid looming for you. Uh, and the fight with Demetrius Andrade, the WBO champion, and a potential matchup with Chris Eubank Jr. later in the year. Just how important is this year for you? Yes, this year is going to be um, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a massive year. Um, I'm just waiting on confirmation of what's happening with the Andrade fight now. I think tomorrow is the last day they have to um, to have a deal in place. Um, you know, as I say, make a deal. So I can't see that happening. So it's going to go to purse bids. Um, I don't think they do purse bids on the weekend. They might, they might not, but I can't see it being until Monday. So I'm pretty sure I should have uh, quite a solid idea of where we're going on Monday. But, uh, you know, I'm confident that it's going to be Dimitris Andrade for, for the WBO title. You're definitely set on that being next. And do you think you could get that done? As you said, the negotiations will probably start on Monday. Do you think you can get that done the first half of the year or will it be quite a long wait for you to get your hands on that title or at least challenge for it? No, no, no. I'm I'm mandatory, so it'll be... That fight could potentially be within 10 to 12 weeks. So, like, March, April, late March, maybe April. Very soon, then. You've had loads of praise thrown your way. I mean, Liam Williams will punch Chris Eubank Jr. to pieces, said Dominic Ingle. Frank Warren said that you're the most improved fighter in world boxing. What's it like hearing that sort of praise? Uh, what, what is your, what's your teammates? How have they reacted to it with uh, you trained alongside Kid, uh, Kid Galahad, Kel Brook, Will Hutchinson? What have they said to all of the praise? Yeah, they they obviously, they, they see me training day in, day out. So they know what I can do. To, you know, they know what I've got in me so um, they, we all think the same thing I'm, I'm sure his team would have other ideas uh, both of the teams you know they're going to uh, obviously they're going to believe in their man but you know I, I fully believe I'm gonna, I'll wipe the floor with a pair of them 
what's it like trading under someone like Dominic Ingo? It must be, it must just be an honour, first of all, but then his experience, his, the wealth of experience over the years, it must really help. Yes, um, it's unbelievable to be honest with Dom. Is, I call him the book of knowledge. He just, what he doesn't know isn't worth knowing. Um, he's forgot more than what most people know, do you know what I mean? So, um, he's a very clever man. He knows when to push, when to hold you off. Um, he knows his strength and conditioning. He knows his diet. He, you just can't fault the man, to be fair. He knows everything. And I couldn't think of a better person to um, to have guided me. Well, Dominic Ingle took you through what was quite a turbulent year, turbulent year for all of us last year, but you were able to get out there, keep active and fight last year. Just talk to me about what that fight was like, kind of going through the different, obviously they're very different circumstances uh, through COVID. You were fighting in like a small studio, not in the big crowds that you're used to. And it'll probably be the same with the upcoming fights as well. So tell me, do you prepare a little bit differently and, and what kind of impact does uh, COVID have on you and your training and fighting? Um, at first, at first it was quite a big impact, you know, obviously couldn't get to the gym. and Well, I can't go to the like normal gyms now as in, um, like public gyms and that, but obviously we've got a gym there which we're allowed to train as long as there's not too many people and stuff, and we kind of following restrictions, you know. So just one thing after another, you know, with this COVID lockdowns, um, restrictions, you know, you just have to kind of try and keep your head down and keep working hard. I know it's easier said than done, but um, it's just one of them. And it's what can you do? Is pointless whinging and crying over it because you're not going to change nothing. You know, the people in charge are the only ones who are going to change anything. So um, just go along with the rules and the guidelines and let's just hope it gets better. But um, for now, uh, I'm just I'm just focused on tasks ahead, you know. So, you know, you well, you showed on your Instagram earlier in the year pictures of you, videos of you training in your garage just to keep fit. I got my ear close to a few of the local professional boxers who can't, get out there and get a fight and they don't really have any sight of when the next fight is or what to do and they just keep training. Do you have any advice for those guys that are, you know, don't really have any uh, concrete knowledge of when they're fighting next but just trying to stay fit in the gyms? Yeah, do you know what? I just think it's very important to stay, stay training to a certain level because you never know things could come around a lot sooner than what you think. Um and the ones, the ones who don't stay on top, when it does open back up and they're not ready to fight straight away, then they're going to lose a lot. Of, they could potentially lose a lot of big opportunities. Whereas if you're ready, you can grab them opportunities with, you know, with both hands. Because fighters who maybe offered these kind of big fights first, it's a good possibility they haven't been training, so they're going to come down. Even if you think you're a little bit away from it. You never know your chance could come, so try try and stay ready. Yeah. Speaking of those big fights, Liam, like you mentioned, you and Andrade are going to be a massive headliner this year. But another one that's still on the show quite recently is Manny Pacquiao versus Ryan Garcia. I know these are smaller guys, uh, kind of global superstars. What did you kind of? What was your take on it when you saw the news of that? And obviously, there's a lot of hype going into this one. Are you are you really a fan of those matchups? And uh, what's your opinion on it? Um, so I'm a fan of the matchup. I think the matchup is is different. I think Manny Pacquiao beats him, um, and he probably gives him a bit of a beating as well. 
although he's getting on, but you never know. Um, you know, youth is obviously, you know, it's a, it's a considerable um, age gap and whatnot. So, so you never know. Uh, Garcia's he's fresh, he's very fit, he's got fast hands, but you can never come pack you out, can you? Because he's just he just keeps producing the goods, like so. Um, it's a good fight. Uh, it's interesting, but I'm I'm seeing a lot of rumours that it could potentially be a exhibition. Would you it not? Is. Would you not be happy with that? Do you think it has to be a real match up or? Absolutely not. See, at the end of the day, they're both professional fighters. It's either a fight or it don't happen for me. Yeah. I just think see all these um all these exhibitions and stuff. Oh, so much talk about exhibitions. Uh, six rounders, eight rounders. What's the point? Are you a fighter or are you not a fighter? You know, if, if you're a pro, fight professional. If you're, I don't know, if you're a fighter, just don't fight. Stop pretending. To fight. Do you know what I mean? You think that's the same when they go into retirement, like Mike Tyson and uh, Roy Jones Jr., they had their exhibition. Does, does does that apply then? Maybe so. It, if they've been retired for a couple of years, then yeah, why not? This, it's it, technically it's a fight, don't it? Because they're not going to go in there thinking, oh, you know, we're not going to hurt each other. But it's just a bit of fun, and it's nice to see them people staying in touch and gives them motivation and whatever. But for active professional fighters at a good level as well, why do they want exhibitions? It doesn't make sense to me. You well, you could offer me an exhibition against. Anyone, Mayweather, just to, just to share the ring with him. I wouldn't take it because it's an exhibition. Well, okay. I mean, that's, that's an, it's a really interesting point of view. Um, I'm sure Max would love to share the ring with Mayweather. He's a he's a big fan. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would because he um, he brings a good bit of cash as well. The neighbor for me for me if if it's not a real fight, then I don't want to know. Yeah, well, you know, you said that. Uh, professional active fighters that is exactly what Ryan Garcia is now at age 22 his last fight was against Luke Campbell a southpaw which Pacquiao is uh, Pacquiao much more of an experienced southpaw do you think that's going to be the deciding factor in the fight and what I also want to ask you is these guys both have belts Ryan Garcia interim lightweight title holder and Pacquiao with the welterweight do you think they should be on the line at all then if it wasn't an exhibition like because you say it shouldn't be an exhibition what do you think how do you think the governing body should kind of navigate around that title affair well, I'm guessing they would both have to like. What would they, they meet at like like wealth or something with it? Uh, I I believe the cat. I heard the catch rate was 144 pounds, uh, which is nine more than Garcia and three less for Pacquiao. But I I don't know if that's confirmed or not. But I think it will be a catch rate given the weight difference. You you think they would have to meet in the middle at like 140 maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That right. that's, that was my idea of it anyway, but. Because I think Pacquiao could still do that weight, you know, because Pacquiao's a small guy. Yeah. And let's not forget, like, he's, he's boxed at, like, Most I can't weights. even remember what weight he started. He started at what weight? Uh, junior flyweight or something very small. He's an eight-division world champion, isn't he? So he's, he's gone through all of them. Yeah, he's like light straw weight or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mental, oh. like, about seven stone or something. God knows, anyway. But the point I'm making is he he's not a very big guy naturally. He could he could make one forty. Um I am just a bit confused by it all. I don't see why um they would want to fight each other because 
Garcia is, you know, he's interim champion, but why would he not just want to push on and try and fight for a world title? Oh, all right, Pac, Pac he was a, he's a massive name. He's a, he's a legend of the, of the sport. Uh, but why does he want to fight him? Must he got the game? Even if he goes and knocks him out, create a bit of a name for himself, but he's not going to push his career any more forward, if you make, us, make sense. Yeah. His, so, um, his, his bank balance will increase, though. Yeah, of course. Um, and I suppose that is a massive part to play in it. you got to, you know, belts belts don't pay bills, do they? No, it's true. Man, money talks, but um, it's just one of them. I don't know. Um, if it's a proper fight, then I'm interested. If not, Forget that I don't want to know. I mean, I'm sure you've you've kept up to date with what's going on in the Premier League, and we're going to talk about it a bit later in our podcast. Frank Lampard got the sack this week. Some people say it was a bit harsh, a bit unjustifiable. How important is loyalty in sport as a professional athlete? I think it is very important. But on the flip side, you have to think... I don't really know what the situation is with football so much because... Um, for him to be sacked, so obviously somebody higher up sacking him as a manager or whatever. But um, in terms of boxing, as far as I'm concerned, like I'll give you an example. Like obviously I used to train with Gary Lockett, yeah, and I love Gary the bits. Me and him were close friends. I knew his family, his kids. We were we were more than fight the trainer. Yeah? We was good mates. We'd we'd go out together. We'd go out for meals, whatever. Anyway. So when it comes to the crunch, like truth be told, I was just I was fed up with what I was doing, day in day out, same shite, um, just really fed up. And to be honest with you, it, it got to the point where I did I didn't want to box anymore. I didn't like boxing, um, and I didn't want to leave him because I'm that's my character. I'm I'm very loyal. I always have been. Um, I always look after people who've looked after me, and you know do whatever I can for them. And I, I didn't want to. It was like kind of, it's either stay with Gary or probably end up knocking it on the head. And then one day I just thought to myself, this is my career. I've got, boxing's quite a short career and you have to you have to think of number one ultimately um, when, when it really comes to crunch. So I had to make the move. But um, in terms of football, as I said, I'm not really clued up, but uh, each each situation is different, I suppose. Respect in boxing is certainly well; it's an important element of how the business works. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you have a respect and and um, loyalty to someone, then are you you're not really going to trust them and um, allow them to guide your career in, in the way it should be. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I could trust Tom. I could put my life in his hands now. And, and that's why I'm with him, because because I fully trust him and I wouldn't want no one else looking after me, you know. Liam Williams there talking to us about 2021. Demetrius Andrade, uh, Chris Eubank Jr., Dominic Ingle, Pacquiao Garcia and so much more. Thank you again to Liam for joining us. One of boxing's nicest guys and an all-round legend. We heard at the end there, Matt, Liam talking about loyalty. And let's stick with that loyalty theme and talk all things Frank Lampard. So after 84 games and just 18 months as first team manager of Chelsea Football Club, this week, 
the Blues parted company with club legend Frank Lampard. This was the club statement released at about half past 11 on Monday morning. Chelsea Football Club have today parted company with head coach Frank Lampard. This has been a very difficult decision and not one that the owner and board have taken lightly. We are grateful to Frank for what he has achieved in his time as head coach of the club. However, recent results and performances have not met the club's expectations, leaving the club mid-table without any clear path to sustained improvement. There can never be a good time to part ways with a club legend such as Frank. But after lengthy deliberation and consideration, it was decided a change is needed now to give the club time to improve performances and results this season. Uh, Max Lampard is the first Chelsea manager to receive the club statement hat-trick of thanks for the effort. We wish you well for the future and you're welcome back at Stamford Bridge. What was your take on the situation at Chelsea as a Liverpool fan and as a sports journalist? Well, I, I think, you know, you... You can heavily criticise this decision. I think especially given the, the last game that Lampard had in charge with, against Luton is only a cup game. And yes, Chelsea were very overmatched in that game, but they played fantastically. It was a switch of formation. I think it looked really promising. And Chelsea had, had a bad run of form. But I, look, it's, at the end of the day, you have to understand Roman Abramovich's way of thinking, the way he is with managers. You've seen it happen before. And it's almost like it's nothing personal. But if you're not turning out performances for Roman, then he's going to cut you off. It's a very, seems to be a very cutthroat club with managers, uh, Chelsea is. And it's a very, you know, it's, 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 it's a shame to see that happen to somebody so revered and such an esteemed figure, the highest goal scoring player for Chelsea in Frank Lampard. But as I said, it is what it is. It probably wasn't anything personal. They just weren't turning out results to. To Chelsea standard, I guess you could call it that, but I think the standard was fine. There was a dip in form, but look, Liverpool have literally just had that and now we're coming out. I think Abramovich needs to trust the process a bit more, have a bit more faith in the managers before he looks to just leave them out high and dry. That's exactly what Jurgen Klopp said. Jurgen Klopp said that Mr Abramovich isn't the most patient man in the world. Understatement of the year. And I agree with you, Max. I think when, when you take on a project such as Frank Lampard, you've got to give You've got to give him the time to flourish and to grow into the job. And 18 months, that's not enough time to grow into any job, let alone at a Champions League football club. Look, my take on the divorce between Abramovich and Chelsea's all-time record goal scorer is this. When you appoint a club legend, as a manager, you're always looking from the offset at a romantic relationship. And that's fine if it worked. And I suppose that's where Chelsea and the board and the majority of fans beg to differ. My view is why appoint a manager like Lampard, who had only achieved relative success with Derby and who was only really just starting out in the business, if at a rough patch, you're going to get rid of the apprentice that you've taken on. And I know Pep Guardiola says that managerial projects aren't a thing and they don't work. But Lampard was a project who joined Chelsea during a transfer ban, took the Blues to fourth in the Premier League last season and then an FA Cup final. And I know I've often said to you before, Matt, you can't live in the past. So if we look at this season, Lampard leaves Chelsea in the last 16 of the Champions League in the fifth round of the FA Cup, like you mentioned, with beat Luton. That was his last game in charge with arguably a better side than he inherited. And despite, OK, a bad run recently with some poor results, Chelsea have sacked a manager on the back of that cup victory with the youth finally shining through with Chelsea five points off the top four. That's where he left Chelsea, Frank Lampard. And plenty of positives from that Luton Town game. It was great to see Andreas Christensen fit again. 
uh, Ziyech and Rhys James looked really strong down the left. Tammy Abraham scored a hat-trick. And arguably, it could have been the turning point. And unfortunately, I feel that maybe indirectly, the signings of Kai Havertz and Timo Werner would have played some part in the sacking. And in football, money comes with expectation. And the £200 million spent on Kai Havertz and Timo Werner probably didn't help Lampard's case. But again, it's all about time. And how can you expect two young guys from a foreign country to naturally gel with a completely different set of players during the middle of a pandemic? And I'm not convinced Lampard had anything to do with the signings anyway. Um, Max, I believe you've got some player quotes that say a lot about the kind of manager Frank Lampard was. It's interesting to hear what his team had to say. Well, yeah. First of all, I just wanted to say what, what Pep was saying about how they don't exist big managerial projects. Well, look, if you've brought in, you know, Abramovich knew that it was definitely going to be a project. If you brought in an inexperienced manager from Derby County um, during a transfer ban and then given him money to spend on players, that is that just screams project. So, of, of course, it was a project. And I think what Abramovich did was bottled the project and just didn't have faith in it, lost his faith and lost his faith in Lampard as well. People who didn't lose faith in Lampard, though, was the players. And you can tell that that romantic relationship was there. Uh, and that love for the club and the players was there, given the, what they said on social media. You got goalkeeper Edward Mendy saying, you called me to Chelsea to be part of your team. As a Chelsea fan, I had a special feeling being managed by you. I want to thank you and your team for the trust you showed me and all the things you taught me. Thank you. And then you also had... Uh, other players, Billy Gilmore, young special talent, saying thank you for giving me an opportunity and for your faith and trust in me. It's been an honour to learn from you. Uh, you have other players, you know, one, one player who I've really liked and one who you can make a case for best right back in the league uh, in Reese James saying, as a Chelsea fan growing up, I've always looked up to you, idolised you. I can't explain what it's been like to play under you. The whole journey has been surreal. I cannot thank you enough for putting your trust into me and giving me the opportunity to play for my boyhood club. Thank you so much for all you have taught me, which I will continue to use throughout the rest of my career. Thank you for the opportunity to live my dream. I'll forever be thankful. It really does say so much. I mean, what more can you want than, than that kind of praise, those kind of quotes from players that clearly cared and that Lampard's gone and now Billy Gilmore's looking for a loan move. And, and it's things like that which, which make you realise I've been a Chelsea fan since I can remember and I don't believe that I've ever seen youth shine like they have done in the last year and a half under Frank Lampard. And I think he was loved by the majority of his players. You're never going to you're never gonna have a full dressing room that loves you, but you, you can often have 90, 95%. And I think that's what Lampard had. Um, and like I said a bit earlier, I don't think Kai Havertz and Timo Werner were necessarily his signings. And it's certainly not his fault that they cost 200 million combined and that they haven't gelled. That, that's not Lampard's fault. It would have been the same under any manager. And, you know, I'm not saying any improvements under Thomas Tuchel so far. Now, here are the numbers. Frank Lampard leaves Chelsea with the worst points per game ratio of any manager under Roman Abramovich. Uh, we expect, though, that Frank will get a handsome payoff based on the £110 million Abramovich has already spent paying off managers. That won't be any consolation to Frank, though. And you mentioned the quotes there from the Chelsea boys. What I find more interesting or equally as interesting is what those that aren't connected to the club have said. Wayne Rooney said that it wasn't a huge surprise to see Frank sacked. It's the way Chelsea operate. He deserved more time and should have been given at least the season. Former cruiserweight boxing world champion Tony Bellew called the decision disgraceful. Snooker world champion Neil Robertson said that he wasn't 
He hasn't felt this angry for a very long time. And I think the two respective sporting world champions are so upset by the decision. It, it speaks volumes, Max. It definitely does, because they come from uh, sports where loyalty is much more emphasised. Um, and it, there, there just seems to be no loyalty within football or especially Chelsea Football Club. And I, yeah, you, you can look at those numbers and say Lampard was maybe under-delivering with those points per game, but they had a great run of form. And then they, you know, at the start of the season, they had a fantastic run of form. And then just they started, they started falling off and falling away. And yes, you lose form, but that's when faith needs to shine. That's when loyalty needs to shine. That's when loyalty is tested and it was tested there and Abramovich didn't have it. So it's, it's very unfortunate to see it happen. But I think Lampard, if you look at his career so far with Derby and Chelsea, I think he showed so much promise. And mm. with more experience, I think he'll come back to the Premier League and be a fantastic manager in years to come. I think he, I think he will be. Uh, I was thinking maybe a move to Celtic could be appropriate for Lampard. Maybe that's the perfect place to join Ray, uh, to join. Uh, Stephen Gerrard in Scottish football, who's the manager of Rangers, and uh, to have a go at, have, have a go at the Scottish Premier League. Um, but what do you think is next for Lampard? Because he could easily go into punditry like Shearer did when his managerial career kind of abruptly ended. What do you think Lampard's going to do next? I think it'd be a massive waste to to sack off his managerial career. I think he's produced fantastic. You've seen what he's done, and you mentioned earlier what he's done with youth teams. Um, when he brought in the big players like Havertz and Werner, yeah, it, it didn't look as good. But his talent as a manager, you can see through the youth. So I think it would be a massive shame if he was to go into anything else bar um, manager, bar manager role in the future. And I think, how about that for a Celtic um, Celtic appointment? You have Celtic versus Rangers. That's already one of the biggest, yeah. uh, biggest kind of relationships the biggest rivalries in in British football I think and then you had former um Chelsea and Liverpool captains in Jared and Lampard being at the spearhead of both teams I'll tell you what that'd be fantastic even our tune in to watch those it would you, you heard it here on the middleman podcast first Frank Lampard to Celtic I think that's a good move and I think Max agrees and let's move on to Thomas Tuchel who comes in as Frank Lampard's replacement Gary Neville said that Tuchel will be exposed to exactly the same rules as Frank. We'll be talking about him being let go in the next 18 months or two years. I'm pretty sure of that. I think it's a gamble, Thomas Tuchel. He could be the next Unai Emery, a former PSG manager that doesn't quite cut it in the Premier League. He could be, yeah. he is Chelsea's first German manager. Maybe he's going to bring a different style uh, to South West London. We just don't know. Got to say, from the Wolves game, I was pleased to see Tammy Abraham tracking back and attacking and Ziyech had a good chance. Mason Mount came close as well. And I think everyone has to accept that it's the start of a new era at Chelsea. It's going to take time. I don't know much about Tuchel. I know he was successful with Dortmund and PSG, like I said. He got the, the French champions to a Champions League final. Um, and he said he wants to play attacking and brave football with Chelsea. Uh, what do you think of the appointment? I thought it it might have been a little bit random and I'm not necessarily sure it was the best replacement for Frank Lampard. What's your view on it, Max? Well, listen, if successful Dortmund managers moving to the Premier is anything to go off, then uh, Jurgen Klopp is your man. So there, there could be a, a ray of success um, coming for Tuchel. But look, the Wolves game, as you said, you, you brought some uh, positives from that. I think 
you said also there needs to be time. There definitely does need to be time. And I don't think there can be any judgment given to Tuchel, given um, that first game, because the players are just playing the football that they know at Chelsea. Sure. Tuchel is doing the managerial, uh, is using his managerial ability that he knows. So it's going to take uh, a few games to gel. But I, I can't wait to see how it flourishes and if it flourishes or if it will be another fallout like Emery. Uh, but a, a very interesting appointment. I think he can do great things at Chelsea. I want to ask one more question and then we'll round off Frank Lampard and go on to Liverpool. Are football managers no longer allowed to have a bad patch? Yes, they should be. They should be and are allowed to have a bad patch because if you give that time and you let the bad patch run its course... Look at the results that and the performance you can get out of the team afterwards. I think it's stupid to to cut off a manager when they're having a bad phase. There's no perfect manager who's going to go one season without a bad without a bad phase. Liverpool are reigning champions. Jurgen Klopp has just had a bad phase. No one's trying to get him out. Only stupid non actual people who don't know the game are, are asking for Klopp to be out. But no, if if you know the game, you understand football, of course you're going to keep him in. You let a bad patch run its course and you show faith, trust the process, let it go and you wait for the performances to turn around, which I assure you they will. Well, let's go on to Liverpool. Uh, You mentioned some pretty silly Liverpool fans uh, and (laughs) they probably are feeling a bit stupid. Uh, The ones that were calling for Jurgen Klopp's head after the Manchester United Cup defeat. You lost that three to Old Trafford. Last night, I think, was a turning point for Liverpool, um, you beat Tottenham 3-1 in the capital at the new White Hart Lane uh, or the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I yeah. thought I thought against United in the Cup, you were some ways back to your clinical best with the Mohamed Salah double. I yeah. was surprised with how easily Rashford was allowed to control the left flanks and your full-backs were very high at points and I felt bad for Rhys Williams. Uh, but last night, overall, I felt Liverpool were back in the groove. A shout-out to Nat Phillips, who I thought was brilliant. I thought you executed the game plan perfectly. Um, Jordan Henderson did really well when he dropped a centre-back to a man. You were fantastic. And and now, look, you're, you're four points off the top, Matt. So for those Liverpool fans, like you said, that don't know anything about football, that were calling for Klopp's head, uh, they've got to pre- feel pretty stupid, I, I would think. Well, of, of course they are. You know, you, you have to eat your words uh, when you see a couple of bad performances. I think it was probably about four bad performances. And really... You know, you, you look at a result and, and you see a loss or a draw and it worried me. Where worried where it worried me was in the front three. We have, in my opinion, the best front three in world football and there's no creativity. There's no goals coming. That's where I was worried. So then when I saw us lose 3-2, when I watched us lose 3-2 to Manchester United in the cup game, that's where the corner was turned. That's where we were going up and I knew that our next game after that was going to be a great one. I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a win, but I felt it. That was where the corner was because we got two goals and we showed that we had improved on where we were lacking in our previous games, which was in the final third. Our creativity was back. We were scoring goals. We got punished by the high line. That's the that's the game we play. We suffer the consequences. We have slow defenders in Reese Williams. Obviously, we're having a bit of a defensive crisis right now, so we have to deal with what we've got. Williams a bit slow getting back, yes, but I think overall he's had a decent season. Um, that was just the game we played, you know, and when you've got fantastic runners like Rashford, uh, counter-attackers like Greenwood, great finishers of the ball, those two also, you're going to pay the price and that's okay. I can I can move past that because I knew that we had turned the corner of having those bad run of games without 
finishing, no creativity, no goals. I knew when we got those two goals in the United game, that was going to be up from there. And that's exactly how he performed in the Tottenham game. It was fantastic to see. Mane was brilliant. Trent was brilliant. Trent had also had a bad run of four. Mane with a goal drought. Firmino with a goal drought. And both of those men uh, ended that against Tottenham. So it was fantastic. And I think that is really how champions perform. And you mentioned your problems at the back. It doesn't take a footballing genius to work out that you really do need a strong centre-half. There was a big blow last night with Joel Matty getting injured. Uh, Rio yeah. Ferdinand said after the game, actually, that if you don't sign a centre-half, it could derail your whole season. As a Liverpool fan, surely now that is the priority. Getting a player, even just even if it's just temporary, even if it's just the loan, to make sure that you can fill that void at the back. I think a loan is the perfect move when you when we think about signing a defender because when Van Dijk's back there we actually do have the defensive depth because we have our starting man and then we have good replacements but for our replacements to be starting it's not quite cutting it obviously no one's going to be able to replace the caliber of a player that Van Dijk is um so yeah it's it's a problem but it's a problem that we can get through and we have to conquer the problem by signing somebody. I did want to show faith in young Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, but I, it, it proved against the it proved against United that it's not going to cut it against the elite top uh, top teams because we will be punished. Uh, the young players will be punished. Although Phillips put in a shift against the Tottenham against Tottenham in the Tottenham game, it 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 won't last. They they won't have they won't be able to keep that quality up till the end of the season. So I think a high quality lone player until Van Dijk's recovered is essential for Liverpool right now. Well, there's not, there's not a lot left of the January transfer window and the fixtures are piling up. And I've got to say, three runs that I'm glad, three games that I'm glad Chelsea don't have. West Ham, who are high flying, fifth, so it's fourth versus fifth. Brighton, who are fighting for their lives down there in the relegation zone or just above the relegation zone. So that, that might be more difficult than it looks on paper. And Man City, uh, the third game for Liverpool. And Man City versus Liverpool is always a challenge for the Reds. Man City, especially the form there. And I think they're 17 unbeaten now. So not an easy run, Max. I mean, yeah, no, it's not. The outcome of the game against West Ham will be the exact same as it was against Tottenham. The winner takes fourth. So it's, a, it's another must-win game if we want to keep our title contention up. Brighton is a very dangerous game that I think a lot of people are going to overlook. And it, it happens, you know, when we lost to Burnley, people get shocked and surprised by it. But I, I wasn't necessarily because I know the way we were going right now it and the who we were playing, given our form, it screams a shock upset. And I think it could be the same with Brighton, although I think now we've got back in the groove and we will be able to conquer them. We're playing against a team that have nothing to lose. And that's always dangerous. Going on from that afterwards, I think it's going to be a very physical game against Brighton. It's going to be hard to recover from. And as soon as we have recovered, we've got Man City. So it's going to be, it's, it's a very tough run of fixtures, but uh, we'll definitely get up for the Man City game. Players love a fixture against City and our record actually is quite well against them so it's, as much as it is a challenge against us it's a big challenge um, and I think the last people City will want to be performing against uh, and defending their unbeaten run against is us because we'll take it to them and it'll be a very lively exciting game Well three weeks to look forward to in the Premier League and then Chelsea have got Burnley next so that, that should be three points uh, Tottenham you'd expect at least a point from that game and then Sheffield United uh, at Bramall Lane. So Chelsea should win that one too. So 
not as difficult a run for Chelsea as it is for Liverpool. Um, but look, what I can guarantee is that in the next few weeks, the Middlemen podcast is going to keep excelling with amazing guests and great talking points. That is about it from today's poddy. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Liam Williams and um, our, our thoughts as Liverpool and Chelsea fans on the situations at our clubs at the moment. But uh, thank you for listening, guys, and make sure to follow along as we progress. As Noah said, guys, thank you so much for joining. We've got a brilliant lineup in the coming weeks, too. So stay tuned for that and also stay tuned for our thoughts and our respective teams. Thank you, and we'll be back again next week. <laughs>